0: You're listening to WQYLDB Waukesha, the talk and music you want to hear.
1: At home, at the office, or on the road. Enterprise Now with LZ LZ. Flanagan. Your your, your choice for business topics. Inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio.
0: to enterprise now i am your host Elsie flinnard and we have a wonderful show for you this evening i have as a guest larry jorgensen he is an entrepreneur extraordinaire and we he has a ton of knowledge and wisdom that he is going to share with you tonight but first let me thank all of the listeners who have supported us thus far we appreciate you listening in we appreciate your support on social media as well as the email support that you have given us and uh, we're just we're just excited. We're excited about what's happening with the show. Enterprise Now, we're excited about what's happening with WQYLDB Radio. We've been making a lot of um, partnerships behind the scenes and some really, really exciting things happening for the station and the show. So thank you, everyone, for your support. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce everyone to Larry. Jorgensen. I'm not going to give an a, a introduction at all. I'll let him do that. From what I know, he is um, pretty much a lifelong entrepreneur. So, Larry, are are you there?
2: I'm here, awesome. I And here, in my case, being Louisiana, uh, although my roots are Wisconsin and a lot of it Milwaukee. And uh, this time of year in Louisiana, I am anxious to see some of that wonderful wisconsin weather start to head our way we still think it's summer down here but
1: anyhow
2: here i am and and i've had the fortune to be involved in a lot of projects in louisiana since i uh, moved down here back in uh well actually i was here two times but the most recent being in 94 and have have learned a lot from the people here and have been able to bring to them, I think, some of the things I've learned along the way uh, from Wisconsin and and other places when we were involved in various businesses. At the the present time, um, my main projects uh, involve Louisiana food businesses. As you know, uh, they make some wonderful food down here, and I'm fortunate enough to be involved with a couple companies that uh, uh, have some very unique products and and some opportunities for people that are in business or are thinking about getting into business. Um, One of them, uh, I am involved with a company that uh, produces hot sauce. And we certainly know that hot sauce is is one of the top uh, products right now as far as in the marketplace. This particular company that I'm involved in uh, is a third-generation hot sauce manufacturing company located in Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, our primary thing is producing custom-label hot sauces. Now, that can take you off in a lot of directions. Uh, For a person that may be thinking about, how do I get into this? this is really a fast-growing market right now, the hot sauce industry, Um, there are some opportunities. We we private label. We are primarily private label. We do have our own label, but primarily we private label for other people. And we have, uh, for example, I'll give you a good example, a gentleman in Houston, Texas, who has come to us with his own thoughts as to what he wanted for private label, and we have put together two different styles of hot sauce for him, and he is now selling that in grocery stores and in major grocery chains around the United States. Now, that's a big operation, but we we do things as simple as you have a a business promotion. Uh, Maybe it's the 10th anniversary of... Of your company uh, and you want to give away something different to your customers you know you might uh, if you're Joe's uh, auto company you might have a hot sauce that says Joe's auto is hot and you use this as a 10th anniversary giveaway Uh, we've had an opportunity to to do work for some some very interesting projects. Just recently, looking at our uh, political conventions, the uh, people at uh, News Corporation, that's the Rupert Murdoch gang, uh, came to us. They have a new um, blog that's called Heat Street, and we produced custom-label hot sauce, which they, in turn, distributed to promote Heat Street at both the Republican and National Conventions, that was a, a very interesting project. We've done hot sauces for NBC uh, Spanish Channel. That's appropriate. They had a new uh, new uh, singer, a new show, and uh, this is NBC Spanish TV. And we did a hot sauce for them. But you know, we'll do it. We'll do this sort of thing if you've got a, a company or if you're having. A family reunion or uh, some other event we'll we'll do a private label hot sauce for you and you know it's a it's a great promotional tool I'm I'm thinking of a of an individual that uh, we do a lot of work for who in fact has an insurance company and we make hot sauce for him put his label on it and what he does is he puts the hot sauce into restaurants in his community free of charge he puts it on the table well you're sitting there waiting for your meal and here's this bottle of hot sauce with XYZ insurance company on the label guess what you're going to read it or uh, radio stations uh, just like you uh, radio stations have been known to order their private label hot sauce and uh, when the Salesman walks into the customer, potential customer, he gives him a bottle of hot sauce. He says, You know, radio's hot, and our radio station is the hottest one in the market. Now, you give somebody a bottle of hot sauce, that's going to stick around a lot longer than a chocolate candy bar. Mm. So, I mean, that's, you know, one of the things we're involved in custom label hot sauce. We make it here. We normally have about eight or nine different styles that are on the floor and ready to go. Um, One of our more popular ones is a honey mustard hot sauce that uh, is great on wings. And, of course, we know what the wing craze is. But we have a lot of styles, and uh, we make a good quality hot sauce, and we make it, and it's made with... uh, peppers that are grown right here in Louisiana, farmers that we have worked with through the years that, that grow their peppers for us. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting project, and it's one of a, a few that I'm involved in in the Louisiana food industry.
0: Okay. So this hot sauce, is it, um, I know you said it's private label or custom label. In terms of the flavor, are there just flavors that um, one could choose from, or is the flavor custom as well?
2: We do both. Uh, We have uh, usually anywhere from 7 to 10 styles, flavors, if you want to call them that, that are available. And those are, if someone wants four cases for a birthday party, that's where you want to go. You don't have to get into the expense of private blend, but we do private blend. Uh, several restaurants we've had come to us with their own recipe. Can you do this? Yes, we can. And that's their recipe. That goes to no one else but them. But a private blend is a high uh, quantity of project. You're not talking about four cases. You're talking about a pallet load. But, yes, we can do that. We do a lot of that.
0: Okay, so I'm assuming that um, if a restaurant were to come to you guys and say, "Hey, you know, we have a have some ideas for uh, for uh, what did you call it? Private blend hot sauce that we want to incorporate into our uh, restaurant," you kind of help them through the process because I understand. I'm, I'm imagining there's a process that, that 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 goes through that if you haven't done that before, you might need some help or assistance, kind of walking through that process.
2: Exactly, we'd want to find out, you know. What, what are they talking about in quantity? Can they handle a, a, their, own, their own blend, uh, or are they just looking for a promotional product? I'm, I'll give you an example. We had an order that went out of here last week to a place up in Kentucky. Um, the man has a wonderful restaurant, and he specializes in Louisiana foods. In fact, his restaurant is called Naughty Pine on the Bayou. And he gets six different flavors, styles, if you want to call them that, of our hot sauce with his label on it. And there's a bottle sitting on every table in the restaurant. But more importantly, when you leave, if one of those was a style that you liked, guess what? It's available for, for sale at the checkout counter. So it has become a profit center as well as a promotional item for that particular restaurant, and we have many restaurants that do that. They they put it on the table. You try it on the table. Our hot sauces are good enough. They're quality hot sauces that when they go on the table and people try them, they are going to want to get a bottle to take home. Gotcha. And uh, so that that sells it for the restaurant owner. He now has one more profit center in his place of business.
0: Gotcha. Let's segue. from, You mentioned uh, a key word there, profit center. Let's talk a little bit about the, the the nuts and bolts of entrepreneurship. Tell us a little bit about how you got how you caught the bug. I call it a, uh, the entrepreneur's disease. How did you how did you get well, into? I <laughs>
1: caught
0: the bug. Well, I was in <laughs> my background media,
2: um, newspaper, radio, television, and I'll tell you what: being in media really opens your eyes when you're in the news end of it to all the opportunities that are there. It's just a, a case of being out in the world and finding out what's going on. And I've always been a bit of an independent spirit. And I had seen some things as they evolved, and I thought, yes, there's an opportunity here. And was fortunate enough to be able to get involved in some projects that were on the ground floor. I uh, learned about them. I got Totally involved, totally dedicated to that particular project, and went with it as it grew. I think the key is looking for trends. What's well, what's coming, and how can I be part of this trend? And in my case right now, because I'm in Louisiana, where the food industry is, well, trends I'm watching are what's going on in the food industry. But you can take that concept to whatever you are interested in. The key. I think to being successful is to be sincerely interested because you're going to have to be sincerely dedicated to make it happen. And and uh, you know, and they say that and it is true. They say that Mr. Hershey went bankrupt four times before he finally got it right. So I mean, don't be afraid to fail. Hmm. Yeah, you know, fa- failure teaches you what you did wrong,
0: huh. and
2: you don't do it again.
0: Gotcha. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say, what, one of the other food companies I'm very proud to be involved in, um, and I'm hopefully, uh, I'm sure a lot of people I mention the name, they say I never heard of it until they go to their cabinet and find the product. It's a company in Louisiana called Tony Sachery Creole Foods. Now, because that name is a little difficult to pronounce when you see it, People say, I've never heard of that, and then they go prepare dinner, and they go to their cabinet, and there's this can of green seasoning, the, the label is green, the seasoning's not, the label is green, and there's this little caricature of a chef on it, and that's Tony Sachery, and it is known throughout the country. It's not just the seasoning, we have uh, we have rice mixes, we have dinner mixes, we have Uh, some fabulous marinades. It's a great company, and I've been fortunate enough to work with them for the past 12 years. Now, here again, this is where look at your own inventory of what you know and what you like. And what did I know that was of value to them? I knew media. Mm. I I knew media. And I'll I'll show you one that hits exactly home for you. Uh, A couple weeks ago, LSU went to Lambeau Field, and we won't talk about the results. (laughs) We all know what the Badgers did to LSU, but part of my mission for that particular event was to send our chef to Green Bay and to Madison and to do TV talking about how to tailgate Cajun style. So it's, again, looking at what do you have? What's your knowledge? You know, life as an entrepreneur, if you're good, you're like a sponge.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: just soak up all kinds of things as you go. And when it comes time for the right project, you know, you, you kind of squeeze that sponge a little bit, and some of that acquired knowledge will come out and help you. And uh, this is, it, it's been really a, a pleasure to take what I've learned through the many years of of doing my own thing, mm-hmm. and to be able to use that for other people, and you know, and I, I am a, I'm a I'm a company. I'm not working for any of them. I am my own company, but I have these people as clients or as partners. In the case of the hot sauce company, mm-hmm. and it's again, what do you like? At this stage of your life, what are you willing to, to put heart and soul into? And I've, I've been in a lot of projects. And at this stage of my life, the food projects in Louisiana are where I'm at. You've got to find out what works for you and get into it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm just I'm just taking notes. Um, I'm already up to a page uh, of notes already. So uh, this is all good stuff. So talk to us a little bit more about um, looking for trends. Um, I had a guest on his business is the eSource Entrepreneur, I believe it was called. And he's basically operating a, a coaching business where he helps people find what business they would be, you know, be successful in. And we talked a little bit about how Things have shifted in the last 40 to you know 30 to 40 years in terms of, you know, back in the, the good days where you could work for a company for 20, 30, 40 years, retire with a pension. And that was the goal. Right. That was the that was it. And we talked a little bit about how that shifted. Have you seen that same shift? And if so, talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely, I've seen it, and it's to the point at my stage in life where it's moving faster than I can keep up with it, but I'm fortunate that what I've learned in the past has allowed me to continue in the present, but for a young entrepreneur now to think that that you're going to grab onto something and that potentially will be what you're going to be 40 years from now, you better be prepared for something else. You better be while you're doing, while you're while you're deeply involved. You better watch the trends around you to realize that when you've reached the point that you're making buggy whips, you're selling buggy whips instead of instead of fancy new cars. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's you know a bit of a, a stretch, but that's the point I'm trying to make. Is you bet it's changed. It, it changes faster. Uh, you know you just. You just it's hard to keep up and, and be prepared to, to go a new route. But may, again, when you go that new route, take what you've learned from the first venture and use that to say, what did I learn here that got me interested in the next step? And if you can take and let that sort of snowball where what you've learned takes you to the next step, you'll be successful. Because you'll be staying with trends that's so important
0: gotcha so what I heard you say you said constantly look for trends you said be sincerely dedicated to what whatever it is whatever project you're 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 taking on uh, I also heard you say be willing to fail and be willing to change um, and the more <laughs> entrepreneurs I talk to, that's a common thing. You know, those things are a common thread that, you know, you have to be willing to change. You have to be dedicated to what you're doing. You have to be willing to to fail and to learn from your failures. So talk to talk to us a little bit about that. Learning from failures. Um, if you want to give some specific examples, that's OK. But but tell us a little bit about failing and how how to fail forward. Well,
2: I think in failing and I've seen it. You know, I I, I had one company in Wisconsin that we started with basically nothing, an idea, and it grew. And it grew to the point where I had over 30 employees, and and things were great. But they they also became extremely demanding on overhead. The more you grow, the more you need overhead. And at the same time, I'm watching my competition, and I'm saying, you know, to keep up with my competition, not only do I need to, to grow financially to improve my overhead, is this really what I want to be doing 20 years from now?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or should I take what I've learned and go in a different direction? So I began to seek out the potential to sell what I had built, knowing that I had a good product but also knowing that it was going to become more and more difficult in the years ahead to, number one, keep up with the competition, and number two, as an ind- as an independent person with no major financial backing other than blood, sweat, and tears, I knew that as we grew, it was going to be harder and harder to keep up with the demands of that growth. Mm-hmm. The particular business I was in required an extreme amount of, upfront money to satisfy the contracts with the customer. So as you grew, the needs for that capital became more intense. And at some point, you you look at it and you say, do I want to continue this? Is this the time to sell? And you always look at when's the time to sell, especially if you have a competitor who would love to buy out, Mm -hmm. then maybe it's time to
1: sell.
0: Gotcha. So I heard you mention a little bit about competition. Help, uh, talk to us a little bit about when you're in business, how much of it is leading and how much is, of it is watching the competition to see what they're doing. Uh, Obviously, you know, you don't want to have blinders on so that you're not aware of what the competition is doing, but I imagine you can be too focused on what the competition is doing and, and kind of losing hold of what your initial uh, mission and uh, strategy or, um, or what you do well. Help us understand the difference. Yeah. What that that balance is. You
2: have really hit it there. As we grew with that, that particular company I'm referencing, um, one year, we decided we are going to go after the competition. We are going to get clients away from them. We're going to get very aggressive, and it doesn't matter what the, what the cost. We're going to outbid them on everything, and we're going to steal clients. Well, We we're, were very new in this game, okay, mm-hmm. and not realizing, or at least not taking into consideration that the cost for our particular competition to serve that client his cost was may have been because of the scale of the business his cost his overhead may have been less per customer than mine Mm -hmm. but I did not take that into consideration I went after that business on a price only basis. Gotcha. I'm going to get that business regardless. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We got it that year. We we probably doubled. And you know what? At the end of the year, we had tired employees, we had tired vehicles, and bottom line wasn't any better than the year before.
1: Hmm.
2: We were just all very tired and we said, "Wait a minute. That's not the answer either." Gotcha.
1: You know,
2: what's the cost per client where do you break even and then where do you add your profit Mm -hmm. and if you're not taking that into consideration if you're only looking at the price that your competitor is getting for the same product or service you better figure out how your competitor is reaching that price because he may have a scale of of of, uh, of of size that you're not, mm-hmm. that you can't match. So his cost per item, be it service, be it product, his cost per item can be a lot less than yours. And yet you're trying to compete with him? Foolish mistake. I learned that one the hard way.
0: I see, I see. So talk to us a little bit about what it was like having employees. Um, so did you end up, uh, if, you, if you don't mind sharing, selling that company and what that was like in terms of, you know, when you had employees, because I imagine that you have people's livelihoods are in your hands and that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of, I, you know, stress or, or whatever you want to call it. What what was that like?
2: Well, for, fortunately, we had some great employees and they were talented in what they did. And when the company sold, uh, a lot of them were were kept by the new owner okay. uh, of the company, so that was the obviously that was a, a concern in my mind because it had, it had become a very close operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had thirty some employees, but we were close. We worked close together on everything, and and to come to that point where I'm like, I'm I'm leaving my kids. You know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that your kids are are going to be well taken care of, right. or at least have an opportunity. And uh, it was pretty much what happened. There were a few uh, situations that I wish would have been different, but overall, mm-hmm. I was pleased with the, the transition to the new owner and uh, ultimately what happened and ironically, a few years later, the new owner ended up selling to a bigger company. Okay. so it's that you know little fish versus you know the next big fish versus the next big fish. Mm-hmm. who's going to get eaten next?.
0: You you got yeah, as is the nature of business, right?
2: Right, but it you know business business is fun if you let it be fun. Uh, but you've you've got to to make it fun. It's got to be something you really want to do. Don't do it because hey, Joe down the street went into this business and look at all the money he's making. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but is he doing something you want to do? Yeah. It's not just making money because if it's just making money, the minute you hit a hard spot, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna go around it. You're not gonna deal with it.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, if you're just tuning in, we are talking with Larry Jorg- Jorgensen, and he is an entrepreneur extraordinaire. We've, we're talking about his hot sauce business, and uh, it's been a he's dropped a ton of wisdom so far. So if you're just tuning in you've missed a lot already, but if you're just tuning in, thank you for tuning in. But uh, again, this is not stuff that you learn from a, a book. I mean, you know, I, I try to convince people and tell people all the time, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to surround yourself with entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs have a different mindset. They have a different way that they approach both business and life that, um, again, if you're a small business owner, uh, an an Or if you want to be a small business owner, you want to be an entrepreneur, tune into Enterprise Now because we're talking with entrepreneurs. We're talking about things like um, trends and and all of the things that you need to know as an entrepreneur. Well, we're up on a break. We'll be back right after this on Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. You're listening to WQYL-DB Waukesha. the talk and music you want to hear.
1: At home, at the office, or on the road, Enterprise Now with LZ Flanagan, your, your, your choice for business talk, inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB
0: Radio. And old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A battle is going on inside all of us, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil, anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority. And ego. The other is good, joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and life. This same fight is going on inside you and in every other person, too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather Which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. I'd like to welcome our premier sponsor of the Enterprise Now radio show, the Waukesha County Technical College Small Business Center. The WCTC Small Business Center is a community service initiative of the college with one primary mission, to help entrepreneurs start and grow small businesses in southeastern Wisconsin. The center offers a variety of low cost to no cost resources, including non-credit courses, services and networking events, all designed to help real world entrepreneurs succeed. Remember that passion without action is just a hobby. For more information, visit www.wctc.edu smallbusiness small then contact center manager Russ Roberts directly at 262-695-3468 or you can email Russ at rroberts at edu. Welcome back to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. If you're just joining us, I am joined by our um, entrepreneur Larry Jergensen. He is. Uh, he has a hot sauce business from down in Louisiana, and he's been sharing a lot of knowledge and wisdom with us this evening. So, Larry, we were talking a lot about scalability, cost per customer, cost per product, and those types of things. That's kind of the nitty gritty about um, business and entrepreneurship. So let's go down that road a little bit further and talk about marketing and advertising.
2: Well, and let let me share with you, even before we get into the marketing thing, uh, during the break, I thought of a personal experience that really supports what we had talked about before. You know, yes, I am involved with a very substantial hot sauce company here in Lafayette, Louisiana right now. How did I get there? The way back many years ago, when I say many, probably 20, um, I got looking at this hot sauce thing and we developed our own style of hot sauce. How did we develop it? We started with ingredients and mixing and just working our own recipes in our private kitchen. And lo and behold, we came up with a product that has become extremely successful it is sold by many chain restaurants around the united states but here's what happened we're doing it in our own private we finally got a licensed kitchen at home and we're doing it very crudely but it's a great product it is a wonderful product and it got to the point where either invest in enough equipment and build a building, and go from there, or what? The question was, or what? And I thought, you know, or what is, I have a great product. I have it copyrighted. I've done the marketing on it. I have a client base. I'm ready to sell. Remember, we talked about selling. I put it up for sale. I put the whole thing up for sale. What was the whole thing? It was a concept. It was a recipe. It was a client base, but it did not have the production facility to keep up with what was coming down the road. And I put it up for sale. I found someone who had the desire to continue with it, and it continues today. And I got away from that, that, that potential problem at this stage of my life of wanting to create a hot sauce factory. I just wanted to sell a great hot sauce that we'd invented. So we sold the recipe, we sold the name, we sold the marketing. We sold it all to another company. And from there, we began our involvement with the hot sauce company that we're with now. They were already in existence. They already had three generations of experience and a large production facility and someone that was looking for someone to come in and work with them. So, again, it's, you know, don't say never. Don't ever say, "Ah, I'm going to do this forever, because at some point that it may not be fun anymore.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's I think that's a really good point. Getting. Getting to know yourself well enough to understand that when you get to the point where it's just not fun anymore, you may want to do something different, right?
2: Absolutely. I think your your opening question was marketing. And for a, a small entrepreneur, you can't beat, other than the social marketing, which is great if you use, be careful because there, you get your website you know, and all of a sudden, you're going to get a call a week from every hotshot guy in the country that's going to connect you and make you famous and bring you business, and he's going to bring you himself business. So you need to be careful of the relationships you establish in social marketing. Hmm. But just as important, in fact, even more important, I think, if if you if you're doing a product is the one-on-one, is is going to the shows, is going to events, getting involved where people can can see, touch, and feel what you're selling and creating these personal contacts. I thought I would go to an event that was totally a consumer event and yet while I'm there, I'm meeting people that are either in business or want to be in business and those are the people... That become your long-term customers. Yeah, you'll sell a you know a couple cases of product to to the, the, the someone that walks into your display, but more importantly, you're gonna you're gonna find people that want to be with you for a long time. And there's one thing that I've always preached: when you establish a relationship with someone who's gonna buy more than once, whether it's a person that's doing conventions and is using your product on a regular basis for their convention or they have a retail operation or whatever you have to look at that and say what okay this is what it cost me to be here from a marketing standpoint but what is the lifetime what is the lifetime value of that customer if you can convert them to a repeat customer, It's not what you sold them with that one promotion, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's social marketing, whether it's trade marketing, good old radio, television, newspaper, whatever it is. When you look at that customer, what's the lifetime value of that customer if you can sell and resell and resell? That's the value. That's the return on your dollar when you're marketing. Where do you get the customer to stick with you?
0: Gotcha. That is that is really good advice, Larry. Uh, so on that same note, what is the value? How do you how do you begin to determine what that value is? Uh, you know, let's take your business for example in in a hot sauce business. What's the what's the value of a of a lifetime customer?
2: It's going to vary depending on the on the volume of the customer. Um, I've, I'll, I'll, another good example: there is a convention next week in New Orleans, and there's a company out of Alabama that has purchased hot sauce from us for several years. It so happens that this particular year, there are conventions in New Orleans, but they purchase hot sauce with their label, and take it to conventions everywhere. What's the value of that customer? It's hard to determine. I mentioned earlier that the gentleman in Houston who is now selling to major chains with product that we're producing for him. You know, the day he showed up, he wanted to order eight cases of hot sauce, and he had his own label. And I thought, mm-hmm this is a this guy he, this is a hobby he's going to give it to his friends but he seems sincere and i thought we're going to go with this we're going to treat him like he was like he was the walmart of hot sauce needs and you know what it has paid off numerous times we, he buys truckloads now and he sells truckloads that we produce with his label on it Wow. so what's the value you don't know on that first experience, mm-hmm. and you'll get a lot of people that'll will give you a good story. I don't care if you're selling a hot sauce or or what you're selling or what service you're selling and service is even a little bit more difficult because it's hard to evaluate if you're if you're an accountant or if you're selling a service that is really your time, and you find out after about one or two sessions meetings whatever with this potential client that he's really picking your brain for free mm-hmm. then it's time to move on gotcha you have to evaluate each one
0: gotcha so not to not to beat a dead horse here but i, I think it's important because i think the one thing that stops a lot of people from becoming entrepreneurs or taking that that leap into to, to business ownership is fear T- talk, talk to us a little bit about fear and how to overcome that fear.
2: I think the easiest way to overcome it is believe in what you're doing. If you believe in what... And I've had... I'll tell you what, I've had something that I believed in that nobody else did, but I did them anyhow. And uh, and I wasn't afraid of losing. You know, I was, I was afraid of not doing it. That that The fear is... Of not trying and have missed an opportunity mm-hmm. that's the fear you know that, that's the fear you want to get away from go do it you'll find, you'll find out real quick whether or not it's something you want to be doing but the only thing to fear is that you missed an opportunity mm-hmm. that's the fear
0: yeah, I, I I wish I could remember who who said this, but uh, a wise person once told me that when you're when you're older or or you're in that season in your life and you look back over over the things that that happened and things that you you did and didn't do, um, I've been told that you know, very rarely re- rarely do people look back and regret the things that they did. They they oftentimes will look back and regret the things that they didn't do. Um, that
2: so, is, boy, that's the truth. <laughs> Um, you know why didn't i do such and such i knew it was good and somebody else did it and darn i should have done that you know but you do it you just go do it there's no guarantee heck there's no guarantee either one of us are going to wake up tomorrow morning in a sane world Mm -hmm. we hope we will we hope that that the forces out there will allow us to continue to be entrepreneurs You know, but if something happens, we tried. Mm -hmm. You know, I was involved in an industry, and it was a great industry for many years. We made a lot of money, we had a lot of fun, and it became seriously impacted by the gas crisis. We all remember the Drive 55 crisis, you know, back in, what was it, the 70s. And it annihilated the industry I was involved in. Mm-hmm. I had no control over that. I couldn't control the the gas crisis. I was out there doing my thing. I was trying to do the best I could. Yeah. A situation came along I had no control over. Mm-hmm. It impacted what I was doing. So you get up, you brush off the dust, and you move
0: on. You know. <laughs> gotcha. So talk. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about flexibility. What, what tangible ways can entrepreneurs and business owners pr- help to support that flexibility? Um, you know, obviously, you know, like how you mentioned earlier, you're in this business, you're, you know, you're doing well, but you start to see the trend that the business you're in or the project is not going to be long term. What kind of things can you do practically to prepare to pivot?
2: good question and i think it's going to relate to whatever you're in one of the things you watch what others are doing in your business Mm -hmm. and if you see they're adding a different type of product or service then pay attention they somewhere they've 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 found something that they think will help expand what they're doing find out what the others are doing look at what you're interested in and where that's going and that's the way to stay fresh don't ever get in a rut don't ever say i've done it this way and i'm going to continue to do it this way (laughs) because that is nothing but a a sure path to failure gotcha stay watch the competition watch the people that know you know as entrepreneurs you know we make up the bulk of, of the hiring and the bulk of the employment in this country.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But if we watch the big guys, we'll do it better because mm-hmm. they have so much more resources to know the trends, to know what's coming. Don't be afraid to watch the big guys and say, yeah, he's on to something. How can I adapt that to what I'm doing? You know, and that's yeah. uh, That is so important. And when you get to a stage in life which... Fortunately, I've reached, you can also reach back in that bag of tricks and say, what can also make me happy right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the things besides doing what I like to do is I've... Reach reached back into the old bag of tricks of being a newsman and being in radio and TV and all that. And I've started writing books. And I've I've written one, and I'm working on number two. Why? I don't know. To learn about, at this stage of life, about publishing books. And I self-published my first book. And I'll tell you what, just like any other business, I learned a lot about publishing books. And I think I broke even on the first one. Oh, nice. Although if you figure out the value of your time, maybe you didn't. But gotcha.
0: anyhow,
2: <laughs> uh, you know, expenses in, expenses out. I, uh-huh. I probably broke even, made a few bucks. But more importantly, I learned for the next one. Gotcha. I learned what to do. So, th- And that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I don't care what business you're in, learn from what you're doing to make the next step better.
0: Gotcha. So, tell me a little bit about your your book. Where where can I what can I get it?
2: <laughs> well, the, the first book, the only place you could get it is is eBay. Okay, Cause it was not a major book. I did it uh, about a a place in Louisiana, and again, this is going back to my my news days, my reporter days, or as they like to say, your old news dog days. <laughs> and I did a I did a book. was a history of a place in Louisiana called Hot Wells. Now, Hot Wells was to be to Louisiana, what Hot Springs is to Arkansas. But for many reasons that we don't have enough time for, it never happened. It grew and it crashed. Mm -hmm. And my book is all about how it it happened, how the magical water was discovered, and how the, the... the hot wells resort and community just took off and how it ended and that that was a book that i felt needed to be done you know i my my writing i am not a novelist i couldn't write a novel if my life depended on it i'm a newsman (laughs)
1: Mm
2: -hmm. i'm a i'm a journalist so i write of things that have happened and that was That particular book. I am learned by that. I've sold a lot of them. I got a lot of publicity in Louisiana because people knew the the place I was writing about. I am now writing a book that will have national attention and will definitely have a national audience. And the book is called The Coca-Cola Trail, People and Places in the History of Coca-Cola. Now, what does that mean? Did you know that Coca-Cola was first bottled in Vicksburg, Mississippi?
0: I did not, not know in that Atlanta,
2: Georgia. Huh. And, and do you know why? And and all these other stories of the entre- You talk about entrepreneurs. My Coca-Cola book is going to tell you about entrepreneurs. It's going to tell you about guys that said, "I got fifteen hundred dollars, and I'm going to buy the rights to bottle Coca-Cola." and what they did to make millions. Mm. That's for an entrepreneur to read about all these different little guys that back in 1903 said, yeah, I'm going to give you $1,500 to have the franchise, the bottle Coca-Cola in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. and how they took that and ran with it. And they put those early Coca-Cola bottlers put heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears into making Coca-Cola. If it wouldn't have been for those bottlers, Coca-Cola wouldn't be what it is today. It was those entrepreneurs. And my book is going to be a tribute to them. And it it will tell you where you can go today to see what has happened to those old bottling plants. Some of them are museums. Some of them have become little mini-malls. Mm-hmm. Some of them have become great big projects. And not only will you see or you can go touch, feel, see what was Coca-Cola, but also the book will tell you why it was Coca-Cola. Mm. Who were these people? Who were these entrepreneurs? Where did they get the idea that they could put Coca-Cola in a bottle and make some money with it? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, there was money made. One of the biggest ones in Chattanooga, Tennessee, when he sold out, he sold out for $3.4 billion to Coca-Cola. Gotcha. Not million, billion. Mm-hmm. So that's my next book, and that, that really kind of ties into what we're doing. When will it be out? I hope by the end of the year. I'm into, uh, I think, about 28 chapters right now,
1: okay.
2: and uh, we're digging out old photos and uh, a lot of history on these places, and a lot of it is the South. Let's face it, Coca-Cola started in the South. And a lot of the history is the South. But you're going to find some interesting things in there. For example, I'm just finishing a chapter on Indianapolis. And at one time, the Coca-Cola bottler in Indianapolis was the biggest bottler in the world. And there's a great building in Indianapolis that stands today. So anyhow, that's that's entrepreneurs. That is first-class entrepreneurs, what they
0: did. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, as I told you, Larry, our time is, is coming to an end here. It looks like we have about a little bit more, more than eight minutes to go. But what I don't want to forget to do is um, give your contact information out where people can go and learn about your, your hot sauce brand, your, your business. And, um, if you want to share your, um, your personal contact or business contact information so people can reach out to you and, and ask you questions about being an entrepreneur and where they can follow you on social media and that type of thing.
2: That's great. I would, I would love to talk to anybody that wants to, whether by email or phone or, or however, um, my email address is G L like George Lowe, G L Management Four Zero, G L Management Four Zero at Gmail com. The hot sauce has a website called mycustomhotsauce.com. dot com. And if you want to pick up the phone call the phone and and call and tell me what's going on and, and talk I love to talk to people with ideas and, and share my mistakes in life okay so my phone number in Louisiana 337-591-1937 it's not always easy but it should always be fun or you should go do something else
0: gotcha I like that I like that So let's talk about, maybe lastly, what advice would you offer entrepreneurs starting today?
2: I think kind of summarizing what we've said is believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, and believe strong enough that it's just like, you know, when I had my company with 30 employees, 30 some employees, there were weeks where they got paid and I didn't. Mhm. But that's that's believing in what we were going to produce together. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We made it happen. You've got to be able to sacrifice, you know, there were how many how many weekends, you know, I used to use used to use the saying that uh, uh you know when you're the boss, you know, you can come to work anytime you want. And you can stay until 10 or 11 at night, you know,
1: mm-hmm. and that's,
2: that's really what it boils down to, you know. Everybody else goes home, but you're still trying to figure out the next day's missions and, and to make them right. So you got to be willing to do that. But then to sit back after you've won one, after you've put the effort into it and you've won one, and to sit back and say, yeah, we did that. Mm-hmm. Our crew went out there and did that. That's that's a great satisfaction gotcha. and you, you got to feel it. Some people don't feel it. You got to feel it. You got to feel the, the, the excitement of accomplishment, the excitement of, of winning in business. If you can feel that, that's the best high ever.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's great advice. What's the worst business advice you've ever gotten?
2: <laughs> the worst business advice. Wow. That's a that's a toughie. I know I've gotten a few along the way. <laughs> I, I, I think the probably the worst business advice in a general term is when someone comes to you and says, "That's a stupid idea." Mm-hmm. Well, to them it's stupid. You know, why are you doing that? You know, uh, I don't know if they call that advice or just criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten advice from people who've said, uh, "You shouldn't invest in that."
1: Mm-hmm. You know, but they're not
2: there. They're, you know, they're looking at it from their standpoint. And and sometimes you're getting advice from people that are looking at it not only from their standpoint, but from how it could benefit them, mm. you know. So I, you've got to believe in yourself. Yeah, good advice, there's lots of it out there, bad advice, may come from someone who has a reason for giving you bad advice. Gotcha. Don't ever take the first piece of bad advice Without getting, as they say when you're sick, a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Have, have some people that you can rely on. You know, whether it's financial people, a good accountant, a good lawyer. Boy, through, through my life, I've had people I could go to and say, What do you think about this? So and so tells me this could be good, or so and so tells me I'm, this is stupid. <laughs> have a non partial advisor. Gotcha. And pay him for his pay him for his advice. If you pay him, he's gonna give you good advice.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Uh so we we have about three and a half minutes left. Talk to me a little bit about one of the the things that have been most crucial to growing your business.
2: Money. <laughs> money and uh, money and people. Okay. Uh and they, they go when I say money the ability to raise capital when you need it, when the guy shows up at the door and says, I have this project, I want you to do this, and you look at it and you say, wow, this is going to cost me some money. Mm-hmm. so But I want to do it. So nowhere to go to get that financial support. But secondly, you know, and you've heard it, many of your entrepreneurs have told you, surround yourself with good people. Mm-hmm. If you don't have them, go get them. You know, as much as you can afford to, don't pretend to be the know-it-all, the person that's going to do it all. Know that you can get people that can make you look good, mm-hmm. and they're out there, and they're willing to help. you got to find them.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, as I said, Larry, our time has flown by. Thank you so much for being on the show. I, I really appreciate your willingness to share uh, some of the life lessons uh, that, and business lessons that you've learned. I, I tell people all the time, and, and especially with my, my children, I don't want you to fall into the same potholes that I f- fell into. Make your own potholes. <laughs> don't, yeah, and don't make, make...
2: lots <laughs> of them. If that one doesn't work, go try another one.
0: Exactly. You know?
2: it, believe me, today's day and age you there's lots of potholes out there and you've got to be willing to, to try and try more than one.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So thank you again for being on the show. Hopefully when, when the book comes out, maybe we can chat again, tell people where they can get the book and, and support yeah, your I, your new endeavor. I'd love endeavor. to
2: talk to you about it because as I think about it now, and I didn't, when we first started talking, if any book represents the spirit of an entrepreneur, it's the Coca-Cola Trail, the people and places that made Coca-Cola happen. Those were entrepreneurs.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again for listening. This has been Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. Thank you for, uh, for your support via social media, email, and all of your calls. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next week.